0: Hi, you're listening to New Week number 104. This is a midweek update from New World Same Humans, a newsletter on trends, technology and our shared future by me, David Matin. You can find the links, videos and images in this instalment in the email where this podcast is embedded. Just scroll down or on the web, see a link in the show notes. And if you're listening to this and you haven't yet subscribed, Join 22,000 curious souls on a journey to build a better future. Go to www.NewWorldSameHumans.com to sign up. Hello from London. It's late on a Friday evening. This is not a sensible time to be sending out the newsletter. And I'm really stretching the definition of midweek update beyond breaking point. But... The future never stops and neither does New World Same Humans. I promised a bumper instalment this week, so what do we have in store? Well Shutterstock announced an innovative partnership with OpenAI's text-to-image generator DALI2. It could point the way forward on the thorny question of payment for artists whose work is used to train AI models. Also, a new report from the UN says that limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees is now close to impossible. And a backlash against metaverse hype is gathering steam inside the tech-industrial complex. Let's get into it. New model art. This week, developments in the emerging battle between artists and those who own generative AI models. Stock photography giant Shutterstock have announced a new partnership with OpenAI. The platform say they will directly integrate OpenAI's text-to-image generator tool DALI2, allowing users instantly to create images that they can then use themselves or make available to others. And the way it works is that image creators on Shutterstock earn a share of revenue whenever someone, whenever a subscriber to the platform downloads their work. Crucially, Shutterstock will also launch a contributors fund which will pay image creators when their work is sold to OpenAI to train its AI image generation models. This marks the first attempt by the creators of a popular generative model to address the increasingly acute questions around acknowledgement and remuneration of artists whose work informs the model's output. CNN this week ran an interview with Erin Hansen, and she's an artist whose work was used to train the text-to-image tool Stable Diffusion, which we've all heard a whole ton about across the last few months. That tool can now replicate Hansen's style so effectively that even she, says of its attempts, oh wow, I would put that on my wall. She says, wow, that looks like one of my paintings. Stable Diffusion just raised $101 million in funding at a $1 billion valuation. This issue doesn't apply only to the visual arts. This week, the Recording Industry Association of America warned that AI music generators trained on copyrighted work pose a threat to the livelihood of musicians and songwriters. Here's the New World Same Humans take. OpenAI CEO Sam Altman admits that a huge tranche of Shutterstock data, which the company purchased last year, played a key role in the training of DALI. Essentially, the creators of those images helped train an AI tool that they'll now be competing against directly on the Shutterstock platform. It's right that in future, shutterstock contributors are paid when their work is used in this way. But we're still a long way from a comprehensive answer here. Stable diffusion, as we just heard, can churn out a million and one Erin Hansen works good enough to impress the artist herself. It's just not credible to suggest that this has no impact at all on Hansen's ability to sell reproductions of her own work. And at the moment her cut of any potential earnings from stable diffusion images that are based on her style, it's zero. We could tell the same story about thousands of other artists whose work helped train stable diffusion, Midjourney, Dali and other generative models. But this doesn't have to be a bad news story for creators. In fact, quite the opposite. If some thorny issues, both technical and subjective, can be solved around judging to what extent exactly a particular artist's work helped inform a particular output of a generative model, then these models can become a whole new revenue stream for artists. Imagine, for example, a model trained on Picasso's work, with revenues generated flowing to the late artist's estate. Or a music generator trained on the output of Ludovico Einaudi. How many dreamy car ads would be soundtracked by the outputs of such a model and how many millions of dollars more would accrue to Einaudi? Regular readers already know that I'm obsessed with the generative model revolution and its implications – Artists, meanwhile, deserve to be paid for their work. Stable Diffusion and others should take a lead from OpenAI and Shutterstock's first draft attempt at an answer here. There are deals to be done that work for everyone. Only Adapt for a while now, New World Same Humans has been exploring the idea that the 1.5 degrees warming target, which shapes international policy on global warming, is already unattainable. This week, more news on that front. A new UN report looked at the emissions cuts needed to limit warming to 1.5 degrees against those already pledged by governments, and it concluded that there is no credible pathway to 1.5 degrees in place. Instead, said the researchers, current pledges would deliver a 1.8 degrees world. And given that those pledges are not being kept, even that target doesn't look achievable. Global emissions would need to almost halve to give us a chance of 1.5 degrees, Inga Anderson, the executive director of the UN Environment Programme, calls that a tall, some would say impossible, order. In a brilliant long read in the New York Times this week, climate journalist David Wallace-Wells argues that a new consensus is emerging. We can expect a world somewhere between 2C and 3C hotter. What does that look like? Well, here's Wallace Wells quoting the economist Nicholas Stern on a two degrees world. The human race doesn't, as it were, collapse at two degrees, but you probably will see a lot of death, a lot of movement of people, a lot of conflict over space and water. Here's my take. A tall, some would say, impossible order. It's the first time I've heard a representative of the UN use the I word in relation to the 1.5 degrees target. And that's a powerful signal of the emerging consensus that Wallace-Wells articulated this week. 1.5 degrees has drifted pretty much out of reach and the likely reality now is somewhere between 2 and 3 degrees. That means we'll need to adapt to the migrations, the conflicts and the human suffering that is coming. Think hundreds of millions of people for a start, migrating to the global north. But adaptation doesn't mean giving up on mitigation. There's a vast difference between two and three degrees of warming and we must do everything we can to stay close to the former. On that front, there are reasons to be cheerful. As Wallace Wells points out, just a few years ago, we were on course for something like five degrees of warming. Thanks to collective action since then, we've pretty much eradicated that possibility. Our efforts have halved projected warming. Solar and wind energy have become vastly more cost-efficient across the last 10 years. This week, China announced yet another massive offshore wind farm. This one will power more than 13 million homes. To stay as close to 2 degrees as possible, we need to renew our efforts on emissions – We'll see what next week's COP27 brings and no doubt I'll be writing something about that. But admitting that 1.5 degrees is close to impossible allows for a new possibility, deep thought followed by action to adapt to the convulsion we must now acknowledge is ahead. PROMISED LANDS There's been no shortage of metaverse hype across the last 12 months and this newsletter has watched that hype closely, hopefully without adding to it. But this week there were clear signals that a metaverse backlash is going mainstream among technologists and tech watchers alike. Oculus founder Palmer Luckey made headlines this week when he criticised Meta's core VR environment, Horizon Worlds. He said... I don't think it's a good product. It's not good. It's not fun. Lucky, as you will know, sold the Oculus VR hardware platform on which Horizon is built to Meta for $1 billion in 2014. And all this came as Meta's share price dived 24% this week after the company reported lower than projected earnings for its third quarter. And that led many commentators to float the idea quite strongly that the entire direction that Mark Zuckerberg is heading in for meta is flawed, that the metaverse will amount essentially to nothing. A counter-argument to all this metaverse cynicism Magic Leap founder Ronnie Abovitz took to Twitter this week to compare our journey into the metaverse with our journey to the moon in the mid-20th century. Abovitz says that when it comes to the metaverse, or XR, which is short for extended reality, we're currently in the Gemini era. He posted a tweet that said, The Gemini XR era is critical to the mission of getting to all day, every day, everywhere, everyone XR. The Gemini XR is where everything is getting better, but it's not yet at the stable end state. But it is useful and fun. Good use cases exist now. In other words... His argument is that we're in a functional middle phase in which the technology remains clunky and doesn't always work quite as it should. But we need to go through this to get to an Apollo era in which the dream is realised. And Abovitz reckons technology developments will deliver that phase sometime around 2028. The question, of course, is who is right? The metaverse dreamers or the metaverse naysayers? Here's the new world same humans take. Metaverse cynicism isn't new and intelligent incarnations of it have been useful as a counterweight against the constant hype of the last 24 months. But this week it became clear that two big camps are emerging inside the tech industrial complex and I count that complex as including big tech, Startups and adjacent media, the whole tech media ecosystem. At their most extreme, and we know the public square and Twitter, of course, loves extremity when it comes to arguments, these two camps are essentially the metaverse is everything and the metaverse is nothing. A couple of weeks ago, back in New Week number 102, I wrote about the epic scale of Mark Zuckerberg's $70 billion bet on the metaverse. And look, I totally understand the perspectives of those who say that that bet is radically misplaced, that the Zuck has set a course essentially to nowhere. But while things do look difficult for Meta right now, I'm inclined to a position something closer to that expressed this week by Abovitz. Yes, there's a lot to figure out, but virtual worlds make possible experiences that you simply can't have via a screen. And I do think that transformational use cases are lurking in that truth somewhere, waiting to be found. That doesn't mean, of course, that Meta or any of the other big players will be the ones to find them. It could be some tiny startup, it might be a group of people who haven't even yet found one another. But I wouldn't bet against the dream that is the Metaverse just yet. Also this week, the EU is moving closer to a ban on facial recognition technology in public spaces. The Liberal Renew Group of EU representatives have joined the Greens and the Socialists and Democrats to back such a ban. They will face opposition, though, from the centre-right European People's Party, which says that police should be able to use facial recognition. Activists are smuggling Starlink satellite internet terminals into Iran. The Islamic Republic is seeking to limit access to the internet in an attempt to suppress a popular uprising. The uprising was sparked by the police murder of 22-year-old Marsa Amini, who was arrested because her headscarf was not covering her hair. Dating app Bumble open-sourced an AI that it uses to detect unsolicited nude pictures. In a press release, Bumble said, It's our hope that the feature will be adopted by the wider tech community as we work in tandem to make the internet a safer place. Virgin Media O2 are working on a network of drones that will fly permanently around the peaks of the UK's Snowdonia mountain range. The drones will provide mobile connectivity and local mountain rescue officials say this will prove a game-changer for lost climbers. Singapore says it will reach net-zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. The country had previously only said that it hoped to achieve that target. The Deputy Prime Minister this week said emissions will peak in 2030 and decline thereafter. New research suggests that children who play video games perform better in some tests of cognitive ability. Since 2018, the Adolescent Brain Cognitive Development, or ABCD, study has been tracking the development of thousands of US children from birth. New research leveraging data from the ABCD study suggests children who play 21 hours of video games a week or more perform better on tests that measure attention, impulse control and memory. And finally, NASA launched a new study of Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or UAP, which are more commonly known as UFOs. A team which includes astrobiologists, genetic experts and the former astronaut Scott Kelly will re-examine evidence relating to UAP stretching back decades. This year saw the first US congressional hearing on UAPs in over 50 years, at which Pentagon officials admitted that they have no explanation for a handful of UAPs despite their best efforts to understand them. Humans of Earth. Here's some key metrics to help you keep track of Project Human. The global population stands at 7.984 billion. Earth's Currently Needed stands at 1.791. The Global Population Vaccinated Against Covid stands at 62.5%. The 2022 Progress Bar stands at 82%. And on this day, the 29th of October 1969, the first ever computer-to-computer link is established on ARPANET, a project of the US Department of Defence. Machine Visions, thanks for listening this week. The ongoing collision between AI generative models and human creativity is yet another case of new world same humans. This newsletter will keep watching and there's one thing you can do to help and that's share. So now you've reached the end of this week's instalment, why not forward the email to someone else who'd also enjoy it or share it across one of your social... Or share it across one of your social networks with a note on why you found it valuable. Remember, the larger and more diverse the New World Same Humans community becomes, the better for all of us. That concludes this week's instalment. I will be back as usual next week. Until then, be well.